blue-white breakdown returns. I'm Bob Flounders, and we have back for the first time since mid to late December, the one and only David Jones, and uh, thrilled to have him back. We're going to talk about quite a few things, some of them Penn State-related, maybe some of them not Penn State-related, Dave, but we haven't had a chance uh, to talk to the audience, you and I, together for a while. I got to warn you, first of all. Good. Kaiser has not had his run, and he's he's resting now, but I think he's going to be unruly. So just be forewarned. All right. So we should we bump up the uh, rating of this podcast <laughs> to like R, or is it still is it still PG-13? What's going to happen when Kaiser wants rated, to Rated M for mayhem. <laughs> what it's going to be. <clears throat> that That is fair. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I right now? Resting. I hope soon gonna, I, gonna be trouble. I hope there is a nice long walk run yes, in the future. Yes. Romp in the snow. We'll get to we'll, we're we're gonna get rolling on this. So it is all about it is all about your dog, and it always should be. Dave, let's just I'm gonna I'm gonna read five names off. off. Oh, is this is this like Roy Firestone as a word association? I'm gonna give you five names. No, you don't have to comment on all five, but after I say the fifth name. What's the first thing that jumps out to you? Ready? Okay. Let me do it to you first. Regret. Your thoughts. <laughs> I've had a few. Uh, all right. You ready? All right. Okay. This is, you're going to pretty much figure this out right away. Here we go. John Donovan, Joe Moorhead, Ricky Ronnie, ah, Kirk yeah. Shiraka, Mike Yersich. What yeah. strikes you about those five names? They all got whacked. <laughs> and now the made man is your new man crush. <laughs> I, want, I want you to just admit it for the people out there. You've got a, you've got a serious man crush for Mike Yersen. It's not a man crush yet, yeah, but the, his, uh, his- He's gonna he leave, won. Bob. He's gonna leave you just like he leaves everybody. He's he gonna won, leave he won his opening uh, press conference with the he media, I thought. Uh, it was very impressive. The guy's a football guy. Um, <clears throat> a, lot, a refreshing approach. Uh, a lot like Joe Moorhead in some respects in that very comfortable talking with the press, can answer any question, can handle himself. I never thought that Kirk Shiraka was super comfortable doing that. I thought he, you know, he obviously did, did a nice job, but I think Mike is in on a different level when it comes to talking offensive football. You can ask him anything and he will go into detail, much like he did, Dave, on Tuesday. But I, I haven't had a chance to talk to you. I know that you've probably written about it a number of times, but... This morning. Uh, but I would know I would just say this though, and I uh just one year for Kirk Shiraka. How surprising was that for you, or maybe not surprising given given the way that the season played out? Well, it was surprising because it's one year. Even Donovan got a couple of years, you know. <laughs> he did. He did. Don, it's not like Donovan performed, although he had some yeah. um handicaps that nobody else did based on right. the, the the offensive line and right. the quarterback he was kind of uh, forced marriage with uh, that didn't really fit the system. But uh, even he got two years. So that was surprising. But, you know, when you thought about it, these days, uh, if you don't jump on something that you see right away with all the transients in coaching, all these guys can make so much more money with one step up the ladder. Uh, The head coaches have to react all the time and they have to act proactively. I think that's what they're starting to do now. They're, they're starting to think, 
you know, we're never going to have the days where Fran Ganter stays behind Joe Paterno forever as a lifetime coordinator. Uh, where Larry Johnson, where you can keep somebody like that yeah. in the stable, uh, or even Ron Vanderlinden for a long period of time, for a decade or more. It's just it's over because the money precludes that. The money in assistant coaching precludes that. Now, what was Mike Yersich making? I mean, he was making a million five, which was a 10% decrease from a million seven, which was he was making as a coordinator. Uh, you've had all these crazy coordinator um, salaries. Dave Aranda, what he was making before he took the Baylor job. He, what was he making? Two million or something? Yes. Um, yes. At LSU. What about so, my man, Bo Pelini? What was he making at LSU? Because he earned it. <laughs> Dave, he earned it. <laughs> He, he got speaking of whacked, yeah, uh, yeah. So, so I think I think when you when I thought about it, you know, Franklin has to to be proactive, as, as a lot of guys do. And to your point about how easily he spoke to the media, you know, what does I don't know if you read what I wrote this morning, probably not. But it, it, what I wrote about is that he just looks like a head coach, doesn't he? He looks like yeah. an eventual head yeah. coach. He looks like he's polished, um, and that, that's in a number of categories. He looks like a salesman. He can sell recruits. Uh, he's probably great in the living room with families. He's probably going to be great at selling donors. You know, college football is so much a sales job compared to the pros. When you pro, your pros, it's about acquisition and, and player development or player, player, player appraisal, wouldn't you say, compared to college football? Right, and, right. And, and, and maybe uh, salary cap issues. And it's got not, very little to do with sales. I mean, if you know what you're doing, that will come through. But in college football, a guy like Mike Yurcich can go a long way simply because he, he can sell to a number of different strata that you have to in college football. And it's yep. not all about the X and O's. I mean, it starts with that, but it, but it's got all these other ramifications. And that's a huge contrast between Yurcich and Shiraka, who you could never see as a head coach, could you? You could never see him as a head coach. I think especially not maybe at a, at a, at a name program. Yeah, you know maybe I mean? in the he MAC. He's a head coach in the MAC. Yeah. Right, right. right. He could be a head coach in the MAC, like like my like like Lance Leipold, you know. He could do that, but Lance Leipold isn't getting a job in the bigs at the high major level at the Power Five level substantially because he's not one of those guys. Right. Uh, so this is a guy I see as as a coordinator mm -hmm. rental, uh, not a coordinator purchase, especially if he succeeds. If he succeeds, if they have a big year, either. This year or next year, he's out of there, and he's going to be a head coach. Dave, you, you led me right into my next question for you. It's beautiful. James Franklin makes this move. <clears throat> it's not just about what Penn State's offense looked like on the field in 2020, and it was not often pretty. But he's got to keep future recruits in mind when you talk about selling Penn State football. He's got to produce an exciting brand of football, not only for the fan base, but – 40 points a game, the explosive plays, you know, not playing sloppy football. He's got, he's got a woo, you know, four and five star recruits. Cause this latest class was, was okay by his standards. The next class could be very good, but he's got to keep those guys. And I think they want to see an offense 
that they want to play it. And I think that's one of the reasons why maybe he pulled the plug early on Kirk, because that was not an exciting offense. And what do you want in a recruiter at this level? I mean, what, what do they need right now? We yeah. talked about it yesterday on the phone. God, it sounds like something you hear on CBS, doesn't it? We've talked about this before the game. <laughs> uh, they need a take the top off the defense wide out, and they don't have one. You could say Jahan Dotson is, but he really isn't. He doesn't. He's he's close, but he doesn't have that burner speed that you need out on the outside. Um, you're not going to have to devote a safety over the top to him, probably. Um, we're going to save this for the fall, Dave. And if Jahan takes another step forward, we're going to yeah, yeah. over and over again. Just I know. I know. Fire. But would you agree right now? Well, I mean, he did lead the Big Ten in receiving yards. He was fairly dynamic. Um, and he has progressed every year at Penn Incredibly, State. yeah, he has. Yeah. So I would, not, I would not discount him taking another step forward. But is he like K.J. Hamler scare you to death? Right. You know, like I think you think of K.J. Hamler, Dave, at Penn State and that 93-yard catch and run against Ohio State's five-star. He just went zero. And he ran away from him. He just ran away from him. So I kind of get what you're saying, but I also think John Dotson is going to get a copy of this podcast. And you're you're number one on the hit list now, Dave. So go ahead. Dig that hole. Take a stance. Do you agree right now? I, I think that he has to take one more step to yes. be that guy, and I'm okay. not sure. Well, he's not, I would he's, not count him out. No, I wouldn't count him out either. But right now, he's not Allen Robinson or Chris Godwin at the end okay. of their careers. Right? Correct. Correct. Am I right? Right, yeah. right, right. All right. All right. right. Yeah. Just, right. Ann, and, Ann and I watch Groundhog Day on Groundhog Day, by the way. Is that Ned Ryerson you're doing for me? Yeah. Am I right? I know, I, I know my Groundhog Day. Come <laughs> on. It's like one of the top my top ten favorite movies and. It was great, man. It was great. It still stood up. It still yeah. stood up after 27 years or whatever it was. It was still hilarious. I don't know. Bill Murray is just so great in that It's movie. his best movie. It's his great, maybe his best movie. Yeah. <laughs> Lost in Translation and, and Groundhog Day. But he's got, it, Harold Ramis set him up with so many lines, so many Bill Murray lines. Like, But it's all in the delivery. <laughs> A lot of it's in the delivery and the timing, and he's got it in spades. Gosh, you're an upbeat lady. <laughs> I, I just cracked up at that. Anyway, we digress. Go ahead. Next. Oh uh, yeah. So I was just talking. I was just talking. To- I was going to talk about your column, but I just, I just think that also James, um, as a CEO uh, and as a recruiter, kn- knew that he couldn't really sell maybe the 2020 football product as as the future to re- to recruit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think he that was a, a big part of probably. He's always kind of thinking about what's next, and I think. And, and can't, that, you see, I, that, I can't you see? Can't you see Yursich? Can't you see Yursich yeah. in a in a in a situation like that? Just he doesn't have to be this hard sell guy. He could just sit back and say, "This is what we see you doing. This is how we see you progressing. This is how you could be an NFL receiver." You know, you would be transfixed by this guy. He just yeah. looks like a he's got that fighter pilot confidence that he looks like he knows what he's doing, which is more than half the battle. And not Val Kilmer as Iceman. We're talking Tom Cruise as Are we do this again? <laughs> that that's the comparison. Dave, I wanted to ask you this about him. So he he played in the PSAC at California. He he had a couple stops in Pennsylvania. But his biography says he's from Euclid, Ohio. I'm a. You're an Ohio guy. 
where is that? And when I was taught, when I was listening to him, he sounds, he sounds like he's from Northeast Pennsylvania. Is Northeast yeah, Pennsylvania and you little higher? Are they similar in terms? No, of, you just you just whack the t like you whack the top off an area from, let's say, um, Scranton Wilkesbury all the way across to Fort Wayne, Indiana, and they all talk the same. He sounds like he's from Scranton. I went to Scranton. Yeah. I'm like, this guy might have went to the U. Like he yeah. sounds yeah. like a he yeah. sounds like he's from the coal region. Well, all of those people, my wife and I have like a hobby where we try to figure out where people are from before we know. Yeah. We're, I, I, we're I, annoying I, as hell with strangers and stuff. Yeah. It's very hard to decipher upper New York State, um, extreme uh northern tier of Pennsylvania, northern Ohio, northern Indiana, any of that, they all sound kind of the same. Anyway, Euclid is Cleveland. And that's, yeah, it's very hard to decipher all those people. Ohio is a weird state in that you've got three major cities where people talk completely differently. And it's not that big a state. And yet Cleveland sounds like what we just talked about, that that kind of nasal kind of flat A's. And then Columbus is like... It, don't be making fun of your accent. We're trying to get to know the It's guy. not me, man. I'm the farm boy. The Columbus is like a farm country, a little bit, you know, like a farm reporter from the morning. And then Cincinnati is Dixie. I mean, if you go over, we used to buy alcohol on Sundays in Kentucky because you couldn't do it in Ohio when I was in school. And you, you in Cincinnati, you go over the river and... Man, these the little girls at the convenience store is like, thank you, come again. You know, it's it's <laughs> it's completely it's it's like Dixie. It's like you're going down. You got three different, yeah. completely different voices in Ohio. Take me, uh, take me through a Dave Jones High School senior alcohol purchase across the border. <laughs> what, you, what, what were you What were you buying, Dave? I was a total. Like, I was a total dork, Bob. I know that's hard for you to. Don't imagine, say but... if you say wine coolers, Dave. It's over. You're out. <laughs> You're out. We, I had a fake ID and we went to the beer stube down on campus and you could get in with the fake ID there uh, when you were 18. And the beer stube was like this total slop house on the Ohio State campus. What were you and buying? You, you could get 3-2 beer. I oh. think it was legal with 3-2 beer until I, but I was getting in there at 17. Uh, did you have 3-2 beer in Pennsylvania? I don't even know. Uh, so when I was, uh, when I was like 18, it was still 21 in Pennsylvania, but in New Jersey, it was, it was 18. And there's, I was like 10 or 10 or 12 miles from Phillips, Phillipsburg, New Jersey. I thought you were going to say you were just like 10 or 12 when you went over the border into Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was not a far journey for me to drink or buy beer in Jersey, but those were good days. I love, I love uh, reminiscing. But was that three, two beer? I think it essentially was it was. I'm trying yeah, to remember. Yeah. I'm trying to remember what I drank. I just know I drank it real fast because I it just seemed like the thing and, to do. And a lot has changed. And I a lot has do. changed since I then, do. right? <laughs> I'm, I'm consistent. I'm consistent. What Greg, I think. What I think of Greg is Pickle will back me up on that. What I think of is the bad beer we drank back then. I mean, yeah. did you have a local brand that was just urine? I mean, just horrible, horrible stuff that well, my, you drank my, because you could yeah. afford it. My dad drank. Carling Black Label. Yeah, that's so bad. That's, that's kind of what I grew up with, <laughs> drinking. You know, in the I mean, basement. a local, a local it brew. Is, it is not great. A, a local Strohs. Well, that's a Michigan beer, man. Well, they had a Strohs plant though in Allentown. Oh, okay. Well, I, that, but it's a, it's kind of a regional beer. We okay. drank this stuff called Gambrinus. I know you've never heard of that. Um, there was there was a beer 
we got at the pace high. Oh, we got we got Iron City Light before. I like Iron City before, Light. Don't mock it. Oh my god, that yeah, that was just piss. It was horrible. But we, pen- we, we could, we could get a case. Up. You could get a case of that for yeah. like three ninety five. I'm not kidding you. Yeah. At, the, at the pace I carry up. It's a gourmet beer now, Dave. Hey, so Penn State fans, this is some of the banter you can expect from Dave and I in the off season. Who knows? We're probably going to talk a lot about boozing uh, because there's not a lot of uh, <clears throat> football on the docket now that signing day is over and we're not sure about spring practice. So if you just want to subscribe and listen to us on the blue-white breakdown, we're halfway home on this issue. We talked already about a little bit about John Donovan. We've talked a little bit about a lot about Mike Yersich, um, his roots, and we've talked about uh, beer selections when we were much younger. Dave, let's pivot to something you you wrote about. Uh, we, this is a Thursday afternoon as we talk about it, and you already touched on it. But uh, the bigger question is Mike Yersich. <clears throat> he had he had some good players at Texas last year. Uh, he had Justin Fields in 2019, and Oklahoma State had some pretty good offensive talent uh, passed through there when it, when they were playing pinball football in the big 12. When you look at Penn state's skill talent, um, what jumps out to you? Um, obviously he's got to get Sean Clifford, I think to play better. What jumps out to you though, as far as maybe something he's really going to have to focus on in spring based upon what you saw in 2020? Well, he does not need a quarterback. You, you heard his answer. When you, I think it was you asked him about a running. Did you ask him about how much to run your quarterback? That was that was somebody else. No, that was Richie. That was Rich that was Garcelle. Rich, yeah. I thought that was an interesting answer. Yeah, it was because he is not known as somebody who needs to run his quarterback. And he said, "What all coaches say is when you can when you can get a hat on a hat and eleven on eleven, that's what the the running the quarterback gives you, especially in the red zone. But he is not a guy who's going to like Shiraco, who's going to run or or Urban Meyer for that matter." who's going to run his quarterback 15 times a game. He doesn't like it. He doesn't want it. He wants uh, – Mason Rudolph didn't do that at, at Oklahoma State. Uh, he wants his quarterback in the pocket, getting the ball out, flinging it out there, and taking shots downfield vertically. It's about pushing and pulling the safeties in the middle of the field, play action, um, establishing it's, – it's not like it's, it's, it's a, a constant aerial circus. It's not. He wants to power run and then set up the vertical shot between the hashes downfield. Uh, there was another question about um, throwing to the sideline um, yeah. because of the wider hashes in college football, because that's what he, he said, mentioned, that's what they give you. But uh, from everything he's done in his career, he wants to hit that skinny post down the middle for the big chunk play, uh, hopefully a touchdown. Um, what they're missing is right now, in case, unless Jahan Dotson does not develop, and he might take that leap because, like you said, he has developed. He's listening closely, year. Dave. Be careful. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I think he wants that guy, and, and he'll try to make Dotson that guy, and maybe he will be that guy. But he needs that guy to scare the, scare the deep secondary um, because he does not want those guys in run support. And that's kind of the problem you've had with Penn State the last couple of years. Would you agree that they've they've had too many defenders and run support because they're really they're really not scared of the deep shot, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to really go back to uh, you really have to go back to when they had you know when they had when they had when they had defenses on tilt. 
They had a running quarterback in McSorley. They had a back like Barkley who could run or catch. And they had a they had a matchup nightmare at tight end in Gesicki. And they had Godwin and even Hamilton. They had it was really hard. It was really hard, I think, to 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 you were so worried about Barkley that you there was only you had to pick your poison. And Moorhead was great about exploiting the matchups that were there. And he was great at in-game adjustments to exploit those matchups. And I, you're, this Penn State offense is just not that far along in terms of uh, balance and talent. They have some young players. They have some young tight ends and young running backs. But, Dave, I think it does really start with the quarterback making the right decisions, getting the ball out on time, not turning the ball over. Um, and I think you'll see them take a step forward. But to your point, I don't necessarily look at this Penn State offense right now and all, at all of the skill possessions included, I don't necessarily consider them maybe a fast offense because I think they're talented, but I don't know how many, with the exception of Dotson, I don't know who who are the other game breakers. Like who are the other guys that can take it 50 yards? Dotson did it. Maybe it's a couple of those young receivers that we maybe saw. It is. Of. Yeah. Maybe it is, but that's something he's got to identify. And I think between that and, and getting Clifford uh, better, because I think Clifford has to play better. Because there's no, there's, I don't know that there's an option B right now. They yeah, got, there isn't, is They there? got Taquan Roberson, who's under 200 pounds and hasn't done anything yet. He is, he is him. not, let me tell you, he is not a, a, a Urisage quarterback. Yeah. Just and not. They got, not, they got yeah. Christian Veyu, who's a freshman that, I mean, I just, it's, it's really, it's, I, I wonder maybe if they're not done adding players via the transfer portal, because it just seems like if anything happens <clears> now, I don't know where they turn. We'll see. Well, they're, they're, it's actually a hope that Yersich will be here two years because he, he, I don't know if he can have the success that yeah. he needs. And then maybe he can recruit somebody um, right. in, the, in the interim. But I think the, the, the thing is here, they're going to have to play fast. Right. And they're going to have to do what Penn State's basketball team is trying to do and has been very, very nearly successful in doing is playing so fast that it wears the other team out. They can't make decisions on the fly. They can't get the right personnel in the game and yeah. they can't decide what, how to cover fast enough. Um, yep. And he'll try, I'm sure he'll try to do that. He's, yeah. he's going to run pace like we've never seen before. Yeah. And you and, you know, and maybe it was no spring practice, but Penn State's offense was snapping the ball too often with one or two seconds left on the clock, taking penalties. They were not playing fast. So I think James wants to get back to that. And I do think that will cause problems, I think, for defense. Dave, two quick points for you. Ready? This one's a question. I think it's right in your wheelhouse. I wrote it down. Dave Jones, how loud are Alabama practices about to get with the trio of Nick Saban, Billy O'Brien, and Doug Marone coaching the players. <laughs> and you know, OB and Marone are big buddies. They're like oh, that. And they're yeah. really, they, they will push the envelope <laughs> after your ass. So, uh, and Saban's also a little bit like that. Bob, so it's going to be like us with Nick Horvath. You better be ready to be coached hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a fascinating staff and I think it'll be a really good staff because I think that I think that they're not O'Brien and, and Marone might be a little bit loud, but they also know what they're doing. And I think Nick will be able to manage those guys. He's managed some he's managed some characters 
while on the Alabama sidelines. He turned Stark around. He had Lane Kiffin. So it's he, like a coaching. It's like a coaching rehab uh, spa, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. you go there to get your career back on track. But Nick won't take you unless he knows you know your stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean, he's not yeah. gonna. He's not going to roll the dice unless he knows there's some upside. And I think there's a lot of upside. That's just what Alabama needs, a more potent offense, a more precise offense with a great running game, a good offense. That's just what they need because they know, that the, was lacking the, this year. The thing, the thing is with them, they could run any personnel they yeah. wanted and succeed. So, you know, OB could go in there and run 14 personnel, you know, he could, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it would work. You know, yeah. let's let's have six tight ends. And, yeah. you know, he loves that anyway. He probably wrote he probably ran more 13 personnel than 12, 13 personnel than anyone in the NFL. Right. Yeah. I'm happy for him. I'm glad yeah. he's back on the sideline. Yeah. I'm, I, I'll be curious to see what that offense looks like. You're right. Dave, let's close with this. Penn State players in the Super Bowl. Specifically, I want to talk about Chris Godwin. He is uh, one of my favorite players. Uh, to come through Penn State the last 10 years. I've been on the beat since so too, not as long as you. But I wanted to ask you your thoughts about him. And Dave, can you remember, can you remember his first, his initial breakout game? That's redundant. Can you imagine, can you remember his breakout game at Penn State? No, I remember. I'll give you some hints if you want. I, 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 everything, everything I remember about him was blotted away and wiped away by that spectacular Rose Bowl. So that's what comes to mind right away. I mean, I went back and watched that with Nick, my kid, uh, who's, you know, he's, he watches a lot more pro football. He's kind of yeah. like, <clears throat> he, he's, he's a lot like you. He watches, he obsesses about the NFL. He's just, he's in Pittsburgh in college watching the Steelers. But but he did watch that Rose Bowl with his buddies, um, and he was taken with Chris Godwin yeah. right away um, because it was so. I mean, he was making every kind of catch. He was making one-handed <laughs> catches over the middle. He was making juggling catches down the sideline, mm-hmm. and he had a big game in a big game. So Correct. that's that's why you, you love the guy. I mean, he was he was. Yeah. And he had a huge Big Ten championship game. He was, you know, he was everywhere. That was Saeed Blacknall. That, well, yeah. Uh, two things. So Godwin, fearless across the middle, 50-50 ball like Allen Robinson, yak. Um, and he had, he had a knack for making plays on third down. Um, but my, the, break, the pinpoint, the uh, breakout game, I'm going to give you two clues. I want to take you back. It was a 60-degree day at Yankee Stadium. Oh, 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 yeah. I was, you know why? I, I, I was sicker than a dog that day. Yeah. Dude. It was the pinstripe roll, I, seven I, for 140. I was barely alive that day. I, and we were outside in that outdoor press box. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to get home. Yeah. I did, I, I the, against Boston College. Yeah. And that was, wasn't that, that was Hackenberg's last regular season game. Is there, no, it was, that was 14. It was 14. Yeah. 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 31 30. The last game of the, uh, the 14 season. Yeah. No, I'd forgotten that. I do remember the Michigan State game in 16, where he had a big game then. Um, he was hard to deal with because he could high point balls, and yet he was a big dude. He was yeah. strong and springy. And, yeah. man, those don't call on and, – and fast enough. Like, I don't think he was any faster than Jahan Dotson. Correct. Correct. Right? 
No. Yeah. Built, but, he's a little he's a little bit stockier, built a little bit more like a running back. But Dave, I also you talked about the Rose Bowl. I talked about the Pinstripe Bowl. Big game player, I thought. And I think the Super Bowl will not be too big for Chris Godwin. No. I would be stunned if if he did not have a very nice day against the Chiefs. He had a he had a couple drop passes against Green Bay, but he also made some big plays in that game. I just think fantastic player. The Bucks got him in the third round, a steal. Um, but he's well, one of my favorite players to watch, and I just you, you know I another, that he keeps getting better. You know another steal they got out of the Big Ten, and I remember having an argument with a, a bunch a debate with a bunch of the uh, big name national writers that that I I friends with from years ago, and they they started. I I said at the end of the 2018 season that Minnesota's Three receivers were as good as anybody in the country, and they started laughing and mocking me. Now, now, who's who's starting to play big for the Bucks? Tyler Johnson. Well, you, Tyler Johnson is a really, really good player. Um, he is he he every time he's had a chance, and Brady loves him. I mean, clearly, Brady loves him. 